0: Good morning, Um, so we've been on a journey here uh, talking about following Jesus and why we do it, what is it all about. It's, It's just the beginning, what I call the preface of looking at what's drawing us to this, what is Jesus calling us to? And so I've entitled today's teaching, So Tell Me Again, Why Are We Following Jesus? And I know that could be like, well, it's a no-brainer why we do. Not really. I don't want you to jump there to that. It's a no-brainer. I've always thought, you know, if you want to get down to the core of a question to find out why we really do something, have a two-year-old sit in front of you, because they'll just ask you why, 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 and they'll cause you to dig down as to why. So hopefully, we'll do a bit of that today. We'll get you to dig down as to why. Um, a few times I've mentioned a few times that this whole quest is a lot of it's based on as we look back over this past year and what it's done to the church and and how it's shifted things and you know it's just it's it's been a difficult time and the church is on a quest to really know what it means to follow Jesus and it, it just as there's this thing if you listen to the just all the talk underneath, it's this thing of how do we really follow Jesus? And, uh, and so we're not alone in this. So it's not just us that are exploring this. It's, it's many, many churches right across the globe that are doing it. On that note, I've always said that if you want to um, know the strength of something or someone, put them under some stress. And see how they respond, and that'll tell you, that tells you a lot. And, it's, and especially when it comes to my, I know in my own life, whenever I go through a stressful time, I've learned to pay attention to how am I responding to this, because it, it's a tell-all. Now, the church itself, all down through the ages, has gone through different testings because of circumstances, situations in the world, and, and things get exposed good things. You see the strengths of the church. You see that all down through history. But it also exposes some weaknesses, which are okay. It's okay if your weaknesses get exposed, because then you can address them and strengthen those. So it's not a bad thing to see that there's weaknesses, but and it's also great to see where your strengths are. And this past year, our world has faced a few strenuous instances, right? Multiple testings, what I see going on with COVID-19, with racism, and with the whole entanglement, what I call entanglement of faith with politics. All those those stressors that have taken place. And the world responded, the church responded, individuals responded, and it exposed things. And for the church globe or especially in North America, I've asked the question, And I mentioned this a few weeks back, so are we really following the same guy here? Because it sounds like we're all, we're saying different things here. What's what's all that about? Because if it's a valid question, then I think it's good to go back to the source of why we do what we do as the church in the world. And we have to go back there to the commission that Jesus gave his his followers, his disciples, right there in Matthew 28. Let's just review that here. Jesus said to them, "'Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age.'" So if our disciple-making is weak, if there's been some weak areas that have been exposed and all that, which is, again, that's okay, because we need to learn what our weak areas are, then you have to ask, is there something that we've misunderstood or forgotten along the way? Because what's been exposed this past year would indicate that we're we're lacking a little bit in this whole area of making disciples. And Jesus gave some specific, he was very specific in his instructions as to what to teach these new disciples. <laughs> right? He didn't make it cloudy or anything like that. He said, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. So he got asked, Well, what commands are those? Is it the big ten? you know, the Ten Commandments? Is it what we see in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy? Is it those? So, So let's talk a little bit about this whole law and command thing that we talk about that comes out in our language from time to time. So we have to go way back to the beginning and start there. So since the time humanity made the decision to separate from God, go their own way, do their own thing. And that's Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Basically, you know, rethinking what God had instructed them. We, humanity, has been trying to figure out how to survive in this world without killing each other. When you look back on history, and even today, it's like we're struggling, right? It's always praying for peace, want peace, we need peace, and we're, we're, we're striving to figure this out on our own. And also you see there's this posture of how do we find acceptance with this God of the world, the God of the universe, how do we do that? And it's not that God distanced himself from us. God's present. It's we distance ourselves from God is what happens. And what happened at the beginning there was humanity broke trust with God and that fractured the relationship. And that continues to this day. And you see that in how we operate in, in the world here. And since the time humanity made the decision to, um, to separate, so let me go back here. Let me go back. The Bible recounts the creation of the Hebrew people through Abraham their journey to becoming a distinct people. And then their fall into, they became slaves in Egypt, right? And God heard their cries and God raised up Moses to deliver them. And then the next thing they find is as they are out in the desert, because there's this promise of going to this new land, this new place, and there God brings them to the foot of Mount Sinai and God wants them to draw close. But they have this belief that God is this fearful God and they have to fear God, actually withdraw rather than draw near to God. And they want Moses to be that intermediary for them, that mediator. You go, you go talk to God. Moses, we're going to stand back here. <laughs> you go ahead. And this thing of rather than a relationship based on nearness and intimacy, they, they actually go for a relationship that's, I would call contractual based on the law, a law that's tell us how, how we need to do things. And we'll do that and we'll appease you that way. And this is what happened there at Mount Sinai. And they thought, They knew God. They presumed what God was all about, but they really didn't know who God was because had they chosen intimacy with a father, they would have come to know a God that is for them. They would have come to know that God is a God of compassion, of mercy, of forgiveness, of grace, of healing, of hope, and of love. That's what they would have encountered. But instead, they chose the law. And their hope that the law would save them from their belief was faulty because they saw God as this wrathful God. And, and, and that whole concept backfired on them. So what you see as you go down through the Old Testament, it just just not working at all. Because the only thing the law ended up accomplishing was revealing their futility of their thinking that they could save themselves by, if we can obey all these things, we'll please God and somehow we'll gain God's acceptance. And it just, they went off the rails. Because you see, using the law as a means to be accepted by God doesn't work. (laughs) It just doesn't work. The law does what the law is designed to do which is to point out where I've gone wrong. It points out that I'm guilty. That's what the law is for. That's why we have traffic laws. They don't point out what you do well. They point out where you've messed up. That's what the law is for. The law, in other words, the law is not going to rescue you. The law is not going to save you. Not at all. But the Hebrew people persisted, trying to make the law work. And they did that through this complex religious system of of theirs. And it was a system that was created because there's this longing in humanity's heart to connect with the Father. And their persistence in making the law their center point only caused them to move further away from God. It didn't draw them closer. God even sent prophets to tell them this to say, hey, you're going off the rails. You need to come back, draw near to God. God spoke through the prophets, and you read through the, the many prophetic books in the Old Testament, and you see this. God wanting them to draw near, draw near to me. And no, nope, they had developed this system, and come hell or high water, they were gonna work it. And so but the time finally came for God to draw near to humanity to come in the flesh. And that was done through, God came as Messiah through his son Jesus Christ into the world. It It was God in the flesh. And through Jesus, you see the full and complete revelation, the revealing of this God, who God is, the rescuer of humanity. And Jesus came doing away once and for all with the law as the like a system of the law and rules and regulations as the way to god cuz that wasn't the way jesus would be the way problem with that is that basically when jesus came and began his public ministry it was like jamming a stick into the spokes of the religious system that had been created And that did not go well at all (laughs) with the religious leaders and the elites. And Jesus had a few things to say about their system of law and religion. And there are many things throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John (laughs) that Jesus says to the Pharisees, to the Sadducees, to the religious teachers, the leaders about problem with their system they had set up. I'm going to read one to you, and this is from Matthew 5. And Jesus says these words, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. And I tell you the truth until heaven and earth disappear Not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you... Unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you could put yourself in the place of a Pharisee or a religious teacher hearing this, understand that they would have memorized all 613 of the commandments from the Torah. They knew it inside and out, followed them to a T. If anybody lived what they would call a perfect life, they were as close as you could possibly get, so they thought. So if righteousness or right in being is based on doing the law, they would be the pros. They would be the ones you go to. And to that, Jesus says to them and to others, to the hearers, to the hearers, unless your righteousness is better than theirs, you'll never enter the kingdom. So you can imagine how the religious leaders felt <laughs> when they heard that. Now it wasn't just Jesus because this became the message of the early church. And I want you, I want you to hear The words from a follower of Jesus, who was once a platinum card-carrying Pharisee. Knew the law better than you. You would never want to play law trivia with this guy. Because he would mop the floor with you. His name was Paul. Well, his original name was Saul. Changed to Paul. This is what Paul had to say. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. Those are just two passages in the New Testament. But understand that the New Testament is rife with similar sentiments from the Gospels to all the letters that are written from the various apostles, saying the same thing. You see in Paul's letters, many times having to correct various churches to stop, don't go into the area of the law. It's not about that. So let's go back to Jesus' commission to his disciples to Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Let's go back there. So we know that the system of commands that the religious elite followed did not get a thumbs up from Jesus, right? Didn't. Thumbs down. And Paul didn't either. And none of the apostles did either. It just didn't work. Because here's the thing. Jesus did not come to drive us back to those 613 commandments to get it right. That's not why Jesus came. The law is not a way to God. The law is not a way to find acceptance to God. The law isn't there for that. Jesus had an interesting covert conversation with a Pharisee who was intrigued by some of Jesus' teachings. His name was Nicodemus. And Jesus told Nicodemus why God had sent him. This is how God loved the world, Nicodemus. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him, puts their full weight on him, okay, will not perish but have eternal life. That's why Jesus came. There's nothing about the law in that statement The law plays no part in the coming of Jesus. So then what are these commandments then that Jesus is talking about in his commission? What are they? Well, here's some. Let's start. Go to Gospel of John, chapter 13. Jesus is saying this to his disciples and to us. So now I am giving you a new commandment Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And just so that they understood, a couple chapters later, which is all in the same conversation in his discussion with the disciples, Jesus says it like again. A little differently, but the same thing. This is in John 15. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. This is my command. Love each other very clear on that. But then I want to take us to one in Matthew, Matthew's gospel. And it's mentioned in other gospels as well. And this is in Matthew chapter 22. And one of the religious leaders once asked Jesus, it's a bit of a test, just testing, you know, what's the greatest commandment? What do you, What would you peg as number one, Jesus? And Jesus says, replies, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And then there's another one I want to take you to. And I would put this in the category of one of Jesus' commands simply based on the commentary that Jesus gives it. And this is found in Matthew chapter seven. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This in Jesus' commentary is, this is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Now, I would also put in there, not in this command, that the commission Jesus gave was a command to the church of what they are to be about. But let's skip back to these last two ones, the great commandment and this one, to do unto others as you would have them do to you. The commentary that Jesus gives in both of those are significant for us to listen to, to sit up and pay attention to. Again, here's the commentary that Jesus makes. For the great commandment, he says, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Entire law and the prophets. And this one in Matthew chapter seven, I got the wrong chapter there on the PowerPoint I just noticed, (laughs) It's Matthew 7. In that one, Jesus says, this is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. It is absolutely, now we see this and we might not grasp what actually Jesus has done here because it's phenomenal. You understand that to communicate something, if you can distill it down even further, that takes a lot of work. Jesus has taken 613 commandments and distilled them down into 81 words in my version of the Bible. and That's including his commentary. 613 commandments to 80, that this is the core of what all these commandments, what all the prophets are saying right here. That's profound what Jesus is saying here. And I'm saying to us, I'm saying to you this morning, or whenever you're listening to this. When Jesus said to his disciples, Go into the world, make disciples, and teach them everything I have commanded you, it's this. This is what he wants us to teach. Because as John and his gospel recorded down, Jesus said, the world will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. That's our testimony to the world. That's what Jesus is saying the world needs to see. These are the commands Jesus wants us to follow. This, because what Jesus is saying is that if you get this, it'll look after the rest. Now we're going to catch up more on this next week. This is sort of like a part one to a two-part within the series. This week, ponder this. Talk to Jesus about it. Ask God, is this what it is you want us to focus on? I'm not going to give you the answer on that. But I will give you the answer on the question of the title of this teaching. So why do you follow Jesus anyway? For me, I have to borrow... The words of Peter, paraphrase it a bit to fit for me. But honestly, and I'll say to you honestly, and I'd say to anybody else, where else would I go? Where else would I go? Jesus has the words that give life. Like That's what I've learned. They they give life, eternal life. I would be one to put my full weight on Jesus. I trust him that much. I trust in that, yes, as Peter said, he is the Holy One of God. That's why I follow. Unless someone can come up with someone else, and I haven't seen it. We've had a lot of people promise this, that, and the next thing. I haven't seen anybody else. No one else. And so I put my full weight on Jesus. That's why I follow. That's why I follow. And the commands of Jesus, the commands that we talked about, those those ones. I want you to ponder this this week. That, I believe, is the yoke that he asks us to take. And says these words in Matthew 11. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. And I'm convinced, guys, that those commands to love God with everything within you, everything, to love your neighbor as yourself, To do to others what you'd want them to do to you. That's an easy burden. That's light. Because there's life to it. There's life to that. There's life to it. The law system as the way to God, not going to work. Next week, we're going to shift up into like a full circle. and Bring this thing not to a close, to a beginning of how to begin to follow and walk with Jesus. You know, we've been praying for the Vineyard Church across Canada the last 10 days. And the prayer is, and my prayer, my prayer for the church, my prayer for you, is that we truly would be the light for the world. That people would look at us and go, they got something we, we so, we're we so hungry for because we do, we do, we have something, we have. And my prayer is for the world to see that. So Father, Lord, we just ask you to come right now, Holy Spirit, speak to hearts. Speak to hearts, Lord, that are following you that maybe have lost their way in some way and gotten entangled in other, other stuff in their life and we have forgotten. Lord, we repent, forgive us, would you? And Father, for those who are watching, and maybe they don't even have, they've never even met you, they've heard about you, but that's it. God, may their hearts be just hooked by the love that you pour out for them, but what you call them to, to real life, Lord, real life. How to really live life in this world of ours. So Father, we just ask you to come. In your name we pray. Watch with us and pray with us now, please.